All right, welcome today to today's show. We're gonna be talking about how to live forever. All right, today's book of the day is The 50 Secrets to the World's Longest Living People. Now, I just actually was just on a radio program and I was talking about some of my old uh, book of the day. I was on the, what is, it's called LA Talk Radio or whatever, I don't know. They said it's the number four radio program here in LA, but I don't listen to radio, so I have no idea. If you happen to listen to that show, check it out. Uh, maybe they have replays or whatever. But I was talking about, they were asking me, what's the most popular books that I've ever talked about, most popular subjects? And this is one of them. So this book, it's an interesting book, you know, this question of how to stop aging. Everywhere you look in the world, and I'm sure you've thought of it if you're over, you know, 20 years old, we start to realize our own mortality. Freud calls it the dissolution of the body. He said that's one of the three causes of anxiety, pain, worry, all those things that we don't want in our life, discomfort. And, you know, Ponce de Leon, they were looking for the fountain of youth. Everybody wants the fountain of youth. I have a friend, he said, he's thinking of getting into biotech, and he said, Ty, if I can, he said, somewhere, someone out there in the future is going to solve, or at least partially solve, this question of aging. And uh, whoever does, it's going to be the richest person in the world. And that's true. Like I said, back to the days of Ponce de Leon, People would give everything, their lives, the lives of other people, their morale, you know, sacrifice everything for that one elusive elixir, right? What would you do? It's an interesting question I was thinking about today. If you could snap your fingers and stop aging or massively slow the, your aging process, how much would you pay for that? Would you pay half of your salary, half of your income. I think most people would. I think people would have even paid more. I'm sure there's some people that, you know, go, oh, I don't care. But the truth is, if you study even philosophy, you know, the root of all our fear and all of our reward is our desire to, or our fear of dying, right? So, I'm going to share some of the practical things because we're not yet at the point. If you study and the science is there, the science is working on it, but yet there's nothing even close to this fountain of youth, right? So what if there are practical things you could do? There are practical things. Here's the practical things in this book. So what this lady did, she's a researcher, Sally Beard, Beer. And she went around the world. It's very similar to what Dr. Weston Price did. There's a good book called Nutrition and Physical Degeneration. He's a scientist who traveled around the world and looked what did people groups have in common that lived inordinately long compared to everyone else. You know, people living to 80, 90, 100 and not having the chronic diseases, the diabetes, the uh, cholesterol levels, the heart attacks, the cancer and all those various chronic diseases that we have now and what Dr. Weston Price found and in today's book of the day what Sally Beer found are some pretty I think they're fascinating so I'm just going to give you a few I don't have time to go through all 50 um, I'll give you a handful so Okinawans in Okinawa is an island off Japan 
It's noted, I think right now, maybe the longest lived uh, people of our modern time. For the most people over 100, the, you know, the most octogenarians, they call it. So only eat until you're eight parts full. So Okinawans say harahachibu, which means belly 80% full. So instead of eating like we eat in the modern world where you just literally just eat until you're completely satiated, the Okinawans say if you can just eat right up to that point because you know your stomach kind of, uh, it builds in how full it feels. So if you eat until you are very stuffed, 20 minutes later, you'll be like feeling bad. So the Japanese, the Okinawan said, just eat until you're not quite full. Now, in terms of the science on this, uh, obviously science would back this from the standpoint of lowering your calories, (laughs) which you do if you don't eat as much as you normally do would have some effect. But uh, I don't know if it's, so I don't know if it's just pure calories that contributes to that. I don't know if it's a, a mental control because by being able to exert that level of control over yourself, you could also decide and train yourself not to eat donuts and junk food. So I don't know what the reasons, but try that. Hari, Hara Hachi Boo, 80% full. All right, next. Eat seven times more vegetables than meat. Now, this comes more from my own research. I've read, you know, you might have seen my, I did a show recently on diet cults, which uh, was a great book. But one of the things that I've, I think, this is my hypothesis on how to approach something as controversial as politics, religion, diet, all these various fields where you can get into a lot of trouble, a lot of commitment, consistency, bias that people have. When it comes to this bias uh, of what we eat, thinking we know the answers when most people don't, what does everyone have in common that's talking? So what are the vegetarians, the vegans, the paleo, the USDA, the Arnold Schwarzenegger bodybuilders, what does everybody seem to have in common? Almost every, and I think there's a lot of truth there. You could start there as a foundational truth. So one of them is basically everybody says eat tons of vegetables. Everybody. From obviously vegans all the way to at, yeah, paleo people, all the way to Arnold Schwarzenegger who was drinking milk and eating you know big quantities of everything. Ice cream even Arnold Schwarzenegger used to eat but yet he still said have huge, large bowls of whatever vegetables float your boat. I was at a uh, birthday party for Ron Artest, Meta World Peace. He's one of the Los Angeles Lakers, or was one of the Lakers. He won a championship recently with the Lakers, and I was at his birthday party, and it was interesting, and I was thinking, no wonder he's a pro athlete. Whenever everybody else was there eating kind of junk food, and there he was, uh, with a big, huge salad with a little bit of chicken on it. So in that book, Diet Cults, the author says that you should follow what top performance athletes eat because if it works for them when they're pushing their body to the absolute limit, then that, that kind of pushing your body gives a revelation 
of what actually would be true on a more uh, subdued diet level like you and I would eat. It's kind of what I say about following billionaires. If you look at what billionaires do, if the principles that they're operating under work at that billion dollar level, at that level of pressure financially, they should work for people just making, you know, whatever, 50 grand, 100 grand, 200. So I, so I, in the same way, vegetables uh, are extremely agreed upon by everybody. So when you see that much agreement, what I try is this seven to one ratio. Literally, look at your plate, eat what eat if you want to eat meat, eat meat. But if you have that much meat, just use your hand. It's not super scientific, but you take your hand and just make sure seven more of those full of vegetables. Seems pretty straightforward. Next, drink five cups of green tea a day. The book says that the green that green tea was the basic drink of choice for the long-lived people of Bama, China, and Okinawa. The author says that you need about four to five cups a day to get the maximum effect. Green tea basically has the most antioxidants you can get from an, any one food type. Um, I was looking at some research. Harvard says a study of 40,000 Japanese found that participants who drank more than five cups of tea, this is the key, you got to drink a lot, uh, more than f- five cups of tea had a 26% lower risk of death from heart attack and 16% lower from other people who drank just one cup of tea. Isn't that fascinating? People who drank the most green tea had a 20%, 8% lower chance of coronary. So, uh, here's the thing. I've experimented with this one in the last, so I read this book. By the way, I don't, I can't find the copy of the book if you're, I'm not holding it up, but I just have the electronic notes, but we're going to have a link. So you can click the link here and buy the book directly from me and you'll get my notes because there's more notes than that I can't talk about. I mean, I don't have time to talk about in the show. Plus I'm throwing in a whole bunch of bonuses, how to speed read, um, not really speed read, but beyond speed reading to a new level I call smart reading. Uh, that I've kind of developed. So you're going to get six or seven videos on that on my access to my notes. So if you buy the book here from me directly, you'll get it in the same time as if you buy it online anywhere else, about the same price. Plus you get almost uh, $100 or $200 worth of bonuses absolutely free. So it's a good deal. So you should see a button right here. Click it and you can get this book, 50 Secrets of the World, Longest Living People. But this green tea thing, so I've done this experiment. I read this book a long time ago. My issue that was a little hard was when I drink too much, like green tea is strong. So you really have to dilute it. <laughs> so it ends up being like you have to drink like 10 cups of tea. Because when I was trying five, you know, five strong cups of green tea, it was almost like giving me a headache. It was almost like my body was like, too much, too much. So, you you know, know yourself. That's the basis of the 67 steps. Go in there and make sure that you are uh, uh, testing it out. But the point being, you need quite a bit of green tea. And there's more research. I know I was just with David Asprey the other day at a, at, at a party, a house party, and the guy who started Bulletproof Coffee and Bulletproof, the Bulletproof Diet, he's an awesome guy. Uh, but I was telling him, I was like, green tea, there's even coffee could be good for you if, if, you know, he has his bulletproof 
coffee, which has these oils and things that are healthy. But I said, tea has even more research. So you can rotate it around. He said he has bulletproof tea. So that's cool. So next thing, eat food with seaweed. People in Okinawa that ate food from soils that had once been below sea level are the healthiest. I'll tell you, I've got some links. If you if you uh, get my book notes and uh, check out the article, you'll get, I've got a lot of the science on these trace minerals and the health benefits of seaweed. Let me read you one of these. Uh, so I learned this on a farm. It's very interesting because on a farm, Joel Salatin used to feed his animals seaweed. And you could just see a real, uh, you could see the effect that it had on the animals over time. We'd buy kind of sickly animals from the stockyard that had been shipped from all over and you'd put them in the pasture and you'd mix, you'd have to mix some salt because if you just put seaweed, they'll just eat it like candy because it's like, you know, they're ruminants, they're, they're herbivores. So we put this seaweed out for the cows and they just go crazy because animals, when they're lacking in various trace minerals, they get cravings just like you and I do and they're in a more natural setting. You and I, our cravings are our craving aptitude is destroyed by processed food, right? Because the food companies, you should read the book Salt, Sugar, Fat by Michael Moss, the Pulitzer Prize winning writer. I'll be talking about that book soon, but he talks about how you can cover up our natural taste buds, our natural uh, kind of cravings with all the sugar and the additives that they put in food. But cows, of course, don't have this. So cows, uh, there's not as much of a placebo effect. It's There's not a, as much of an artificial environment. So we'd give them the seaweed and they'd eat it. You almost think you're going to go broke. But then after a month or so, they would kind of level out and eat a lot less. And what you see is a real change in just the coat of the animals. And it's kind of like human hair. When your hair looks good, you know, luxurious, as they say in the commercials, thick. That's a good indication. Health is a great indication of uh, human health. So seaweed also works. Uh, there's a good article here. It says uh, seaweed is filled with antioxidants, calcium, broad range of vitamins. This is an article. It says, but that doesn't begin to scratch the surface. So uh, one of the things that seaweed has is iodine. All right. Now, the benefits of this sea, this seaweed extend far beyond basic nutrition. Research suggests seaweed can help regulate estrogen and estradiol levels, two hormones responsible for proper development and functions of sexual or organs, potentially reducing the risk of breast cancer. In fact, some claim that Japanese high seaweed consumption is responsible for the country's conspicuously low incidence of those diseases that I've talked about. Many studies have shown seaweed is an extraordinary, extraordinarily potent source of antioxidants and also helps prevent inflammation. That leads to arthritis, celiac disease, asthma, depression, and obesity. 10 grams, two teaspoons of dulse, a type of red seaweed, has 34 times the amount of potassium in an equally sized serving of banana. A high enough, uh, anyway, so, uh, one, two tablespoons serving of brown seaweed every week will provide a happy medium. So what I do, and I've known about this since I was a teenager from 
Joel Salatin and seeing this research is that you can buy some, I think it's Bragg's it's called, there's a few different seaweed kind of salts where it's mixed salt and seaweed, kind of like Joel Salatin, we used to feed the cows, grass-fed, kind of organically raised cows. And you can just put that, sprinkle that on your food. I do that. So that's a great one of these tips. All right, next. 50 secrets, going through the 50 secrets of the, uh, and let me let me say, you know, one of the things uh, that if you look at top athletes, it's something called, I'll just simplify the word. It's called rotating. That's not the word bodybuilders, but we'll, we'll, we're not, you're watching this, maybe not a bodybuilder. Um, they call it cycling. But one of the things you can do is understand that, like the story of the human body by Lieberman, the, the Harvard professor, in that he talks about the vastly diverse environments that your genetic makeup comes from. And also, for many of us, we came from, we come, our DNA is built around a cyclical, seasonal, adaptive um, uh, process. So that means your great, 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 great grandmother might have had a lot of fruit in the summer, but there was no refrigeration until very recently. You know, you're talking 100 years and even less in some places. And when you don't, I learned living at the Amish without uh, refrigeration, it's a very different world. You eat much more what's around. So our bodies, it's a natural, uh, a natural process for us to not always eat the same thing every day. Joel Salton used to tell me, Ty, in the winter, you know, eat more pickled things, more sauerkraut, more preserved. And there's a lot of people, uh, good science that seems to indicate fermented foods, sauerkrauts, these kind of things that you might eat in the winter. Help your bacterial flora in your stomach. There's a lot of health benefits there. And then in the spring, what happens in the spring? Well, I can tell you from living on a farm in the spring, there's a lot of like tender green kind of, there's a lot of new life. So you're, you're eating a little bit lighter, right? You're not quite as active, but there's not a heavy harvest yet because it's not the fall. And then in the summer, you start to get, you know, berries, oftentimes fruit first. So you start to eat a little bit of berries maybe in the mid-summer. You start to eat, there's more meat around. You're having, there's not as much, uh, it's not as cold so you can't eat as much, uh, you have to eat fresher, right, in the summer in most parts of the world. So you're, you're eating a lot of things that you kill it today and you eat it right away, chicken or whatever. I'm reading a good book on the history of the chicken. I didn't realize there's more chickens alive than there is all other animal livestock combined, this guy said. But so, you know, in the summer you're eating and you're also more active, so you need probably to eat energetic foods, foods with uh, that keep you going. And then in the fall, it's kind of the time where maybe you eat a lot, you prepare for the winter, and that's the cycling, right? You get a little bit chubbier. Then in the winter, you get lean. So remember, in all these things, I think one of the, I think uh, one of the things to remember is if you get interested in seaweed or green tea, you don't always have to just go nuts and nonstop have these things. I think there's good precedent uh, that would back this up. Okay, next thing. <clears throat> Grass-fed eggs. I can tell you, this is close to my heart. I spent two and a half years 
with Joel Salatin pioneering grass-fed eggs. Before anybody was talking about pastured eggs, one person corrected me once and said, they're not grass-fed eggs, they're pastured eggs. I said, I don't know what they were talking about, but that is not true. Grass-fed eggs um, are the same as pastured eggs. When I was with Joel, he sent some eggs to the NIH, the National Institutes of Health, and they sent the eggs back. And when the eggs came back, they said, or the results came back, they said, sorry, our machines are broken. Can you send us more eggs? Joel said, why? He said, well, this can't possibly be right. The ratio, omega-3, omega-6, all these health indicators are off the chart. And it turned out that was the accurate results. Chickens are just like humans in the sense that for a human to be healthy, you can't just eat processed foods. You need some vegetables. And that's why Joel Salatin calls it, you need a salad bar. And so when chickens, most chickens are in confinement houses now where they're just getting processed feed put right in front of them and they just sit there and eat it. They're not eating any bugs. They're not, you know, chickens eat a little bit of dirt, a little bit of, get a little soil bacteria. They eat grass a lot. You'd be surprised at how much grass a chicken will eat. They're omnivores. And when they eat that, you'll see a change in the egg. And if you really want to know if the eggs you're eating are healthy, crack them open. The healthiest eggs you'll ever eat are dark orange. I'm talking, they almost, not quite brown, but they're either very bright orange or very dark. If you look at store-bought eggs, they're just so light yellow. And the reason is, is the chlorophyll in plants, okay, uh, it's, I think they called it lutein, or lutein, I forget the exact uh, uh, scientific term, but the, that chlorophyll, okay, gives the egg, it passes through the chicken and you get this darker yolk. So make sure you're looking at how dark the yolk's getting. Don't just, people just think it's organic. You can have organic eggs that aren't that healthy for you because it, the chickens are still not getting grass. They're still just being fed uh, the same kind of feed as non-organic eggs. It's just that the grain wasn't grown with pesticide. That's all. That's what organic means. That's why Joel said you should really go beyond organic. You don't just want organic. That's just the label you want, healthy. And organic, while it might be some indication of a more... Uh, what would be the word, a more health-minded producer of the food, the farmer who's organic. is not using pesticides, is probably using other fertilizers and things uh, and has to be pretty conscientious. So you're probably getting a better product if you're eating organic, although I know sometimes scientists would argue this all day, but there's something beyond organic. And that's where if you can get eggs and beef and chicken from cows, chickens, pork, you know, pigs that are out in their natural environment. You will taste a difference. And even under a microscope, even at NIH, laboratories, you know, National Institutes of Health, they are seeing the differences. A lot, there's, if you want to Google the research on it, it's become so ubiquitous. I mean, there was a, there was a time where scientists were trying to argue that work for the big processed food companies trying to say that there's no difference in the food. That's pretty much no longer the case. Even the Los Angeles Lakers, the, the doctor for the LA Lakers is now feeding the Lakers grass-fed everything. 
because the science has come in. All right, I'm going to do one more that I think is great. Try apricots. The Hunzas in India, these are people that live in the Himalayan mountains on the border there of northern India that are famous for living incredibly long lives with almost no uh, chronic diseases. Uh, the Hunzas of India were huge believers in the power of apricots, specifically apricot kernels. But there's some controversy on this. So before you go out and eat it, I've got some good links uh, on my site to the research. Some say the Leia trial in the kernels is an anti-cancer agent, and others say it's actually toxic. One of the issues is that apricot kernels basically have very low levels of cyanide in them. Cyanide can kill you, obviously, so uh, the jury's out on that one. Eat yogurt is a good one. Eli Mikhninov studied long-lived Bulgarian peasants and won a Nobel Prize on the effect of yogurt. So this is Nobel Prize winning stuff. Get married or have a dog. Uh, there's good research that people with a dog live longer. Lonely people die younger. All right, movement, we know this. A study shows, here's, did you know though, that people who don't move, a study shows that smokers who exercise live as long or even longer than non-smokers who don't exercise. So we all know that smoking's not good for you, but not exercising may even be worse. I read the average Amish person walks 18,000 steps a day and the average one of us in the modern world walk 2,000 steps a day. Mind games for the brain. I talk a lot about this on your Instagram. Uh, there's good research that brain games, multitasking, can p possibly prevent or slow the process of things like Alzheimer's. Sprouted bread. Scientists found that sprouted bread reduced the blood sugar response, i.e. Ezekiel bread. Mineral water over distilled. This is controversial. Dr. Marcola agrees. Distilled water, on the other hand, is free of any even minerals. Uh, but the Hunzas, 50, one of the longest-lived people groups in the world, they drank water that came off glaciers. So, again, this book, click this link. You should see the link. Buy this book. It's fascinating. Even if you don't agree with all of it, you can see it's good to go. Talk is cheap. Science can prove many things. Science is not always objective. Good science is objective, but much science comes. If you read that book, uh, Sugar, Salt, Fat, you'll see even at the highest levels, good people at the USDA, uh, they're understaffed sometimes. Universities get their funding sometimes from big corporations. So you want to look also not just to science, which I do, I am a big proponent of looking at good research, but you should also look the devil's, I mean, the, uh, the uh, proof's in the pudding. If you meet people, groups of people where they all live or all often live in their 80s or 90s, that's a good sign. This book studied people, you know, from five or ten different people groups, whether it's Eskimos or people, the Hunzas or people, the Maasai in Africa or the people in the Caucasus Mountains in, in the Ukraine, uh, groups in South America. Polynesians, people who lived long, and they and this book is just going through those things that work for them. Humming, singing, breathing, meditating, laughing. Another Nobel Prize was given on the subject of oxygen and its effects on the human body. Otto Heinrich Warburg was awarded the Nobel Prize in Physiology for his study on the metabolism of tumors and the respiration of cells. The healthiest people groups in the world seem to know this and regularly practice 
deep breathing. Even Jonathan Haidt talks about this in Happiness Hypothesis, meditation, the things that it can do. Uh, Norman Cousins has a good story of how he used laughter to get rid of Marie Strumpel's disease that he had. There's a good app, Headspace. It's a free meditation app. It shows you how to relax. Prayer. The healthiest people group in the world have all had some sort of spiritual life. If one National Institute of Health fund in one National Institute of Health funded study, individuals who prayed daily were shown to be 40% less likely to have high blood pressure. Now, some of this causation correlation you might argue with the process, and there may be true. Remember, causation is almost impossible to always prove, but there's some good precedent showing going out to something bigger than yourself, and that's the last one I wrote down. There's there's more in this book. Be part of something bigger than yourself. People who volunteer for things live longer than those who don't. I remember reading a book about a woman who was holding her great-great-great-granddaughter. She lived that long. She was, I think, a Filipino woman. She said, asked, how does it feel? And she answered, like heaven on earth. So doing things bigger than yourself, whether it's family, community, this is one of the things lost in the world that we live in now. So connect to something. Low stress. American Medical Association noted that stress is the basic cause of more than 60% of all human illness and disease. I don't care if you're eating apricots, yogurt, if you are uh, having grass-fed chicken and eggs. All of that can be negated by extremely high levels of success. One of the things, you know, what's the most common causes of of, of stress? Obviously, it's physical health issues, but beyond that, wealth, finances. You got to, if your job, there's good science, like Jonathan Haidt proves. If you hate your boss and hate your environment at work, it's going to override all the other healthy things you're doing to a point. If you're, you know, at the gym 45 minutes a day, but then spending eight hours in a stressful environment, you, you need to consider making a change. Make sure you come on some of my business seminars. I've got one coming up, a free online seminar you can watch. And I go through how to become, how to quit your job. Or if you are an entrepreneur already, uh, how to grow your business uh, to that point where it's no longer stressful. One thing Jim Rohn says, listening is a wonderful way to learn. Let me propose to you an outrageous idea. Choose a really successful person and take him or her out to dinner. A poor person should invite or invest in feeding a rich person. Now, a lot of people say, he says, the guy says, if he's rich, let him buy his own dinner. I'm not coming up with any money. And that, he says, Jim Rohn, is why this person is behind on his payments. It's very important that you learn as a process to lower your stress. I talked about the reason I'm so big on books. I was just on this radio program. It's not because I love books. It's the book is just a tool. It's because in all the things you're trying to do to slow aging, to live longer, and while you're alive, you know, I talk about, I have a friend or acquaintance that's a, at the billion dollar level of income or, or net worth, but yet bedridden, so sick that even though he has a private 747, who would want to, trade with that guy. Would you want to trade with a billionaire if you couldn't get out of bed because you were so sick? No. So you got to fix the body and fix the finances and fix social and then you get the happiness, you get the good life. But 
as we talk about happiness, uh, health, specifically with all these specific things, eating 80% full, all those, I think it's important to remember that you can do that because you have a brain that allows you to simulate. You can learn from the Japanese. You can learn from the Hunzas because you're a learning machine. So to lower your stress, simulate the future by learning from other people's mistakes and other people's successes, and it's very important. Find very healthy people in your life and hang out with them. It's one of the best things I've ever done. I had a friend, he was one of the, he's one of the top models in the world for Ford, Ford model. He's the best shape I've ever uh, seen any guy in, just perfect health. And I learned he runs and eats well, and he lives a low-stress life, and he's connected. He has a great relationship with his girlfriend, and he's got a lot of things. He laughs. Uh, the things that you, and he eats along the lines of what we talked about now. So get a mentor when it comes to health and food. Okay. Also get it with finances, and also get it with social mentors. You can have more than one. So if you're watching this and you really want to interact with me, I'll comment back. Other people will comment back. What's the biggest takeaway that you got from this book, Fifty Secrets of the World's Longest Lived People, by Sally Beer? What? could you do differently? Just one. Pick one. You don't have to do everything on that list. What's the weak link? Write that below and what you're going to do different, okay? So, uh, remember TV show? It's every morning, 11.30 a.m. California time, all right? Check it out, and uh, I will talk to you soon. Reach out if you have any other questions, at Ty Lopez on Twitter. Thanks so much, and uh, see you tomorrow.